Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I I even changed outfits to make it look like it's a different day. It's from the morning (laughs) to the afternoon. I did my hair for you. So there's that. (laughs) I you're the second person to tell me that uh, they did hair or shaved or something wearing a pressed shirt for the first time in two months. Someone told me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like a a real uh, sweatshirt. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, just baggy athleisure work. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's been a little while here. Been a hot minute that we've been uh, sheltered in New York City. Uh, 70 days or more. I mean, it's uh, right. I mean, the last time I saw you in the office seems like ages ago. Mid, um, mid late March. Yeah. So you are yeah. you in lower Manhattan still right now, Nestor? Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're in lower Manhattan in the financial district, just actually a couple of blocks away from, from primary, um, yeah. which, yeah, which is, you know, the primary reason why uh, we, we decided to, to have an office there. So yeah, great. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today. Um, welcome everybody to uh, 2020. This is the co-working edition. This is where we ask 20 questions in 20 ish minutes. Generally we go a little over probably about 30 minutes. And the intention is to leave people feeling uplifted and inspired and certainly this week informed because I think that what we're leaning into as uh, continued great awakenings on the planet happen, uh, we really want to equip people with, with information and to, I think, uh, remind people that now is a time, and Esther, you and I were talking about this just briefly before we started this interview, that uh, there's been this sentiment that silence is violence and yet we were saying that there are a number of different ways that don't require voice that people can be not silent. And that can include um, donating money, that can include volunteering time, and that can also include educating yourself, watching documentaries, reading books, um, starting to follow some of the thought leaders on social media and otherwise, um, so that that way you can be, when you are ready to open your mouth, part of the thought leadership and education that goes out to your your smaller communities, your larger communities, because as some of my black friends and, and people who I've been interviewing this week have been saying that this feels a bit different this time. And it feels as though for the weeks and months and decades to come, we're going to need many voices to participate in the conversation that's being had right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's part of, of what I'm, I'm kind of dealing with internally. Um, you know, as a PR person, uh, we're usually out there sort of proactively communicating with people. Um, and, and for me, I'm one of those PR people that sort of likes to be um, a little bit more behind the scenes, sort of behind my clients and just putting the focus on my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is now a time where I'm kind of looking internally and, and figuring out what my place is within this movement and how I can use my voice. Um, so, yeah, and that's why... <laughs> as uncomfortable as, you know, doing one of these um, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram live sessions is uh, discomfort needs to come in order to be, uh, for there to be at least some growth and evolution. And I definitely need to, you know, use my tools to, to do something. Um, yeah. So I that, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, and I, so I commend you for being here with me today. Um, so to those of you just coming in now, I'm going to actually give Nestor a proper introduction. So First, I'll, I'll tell you, I am Lisa Skyhane. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Primary, which is a conscious co-working company with two beautiful spaces in Manhattan. I'm also a, a master networker, a charitable corn cookbook author, and I'm a mother to two young boys, Henry and Hawk, who are four and two and a half. Um, on this edition of 20 and 20, during the month of June, I'm connecting with industry experts, 
operators, vendors, and most importantly, co-working members who are our clients like Nestor. And we're going to learn a bit more about how together we're going to be able to weather this storm called the coronavirus. And of course, now we have another layer um, that's been uh, put on top of the coronavirus, which we're going to be diving into a little bit here today. Um, as it relates to co-working, you know, co-working uh, by definition typically was a large open space where people are working together in one space. The term co-working was truly redefined about a decade ago by WeWork, who created the glass enclosed executive suite office, where now it feels like you're co-working because you can see the people who are in the offices next to you. Um, executive suites themselves have been over around for you know, 30 plus years. The office space and, of course, real estate industry, like many industries, has really been hit hard during this pandemic. And I believe that co-working will survive and ultimately thrive. Um, large companies and small companies will want flexible terms that co-working spaces offer. Um, and there's no better person than an actual member to, to speak with me on, on, on some of the points about co-working. Nestor uh, is the president and partner at Exhibition PR in New York City. It's been almost five years. He's been in business on his own. You were born in Mexico and you came to California. You're one of six children and you arrived right. in the USA illegally when you were a kid. Uh, right. You moved to New York City for college on September 6, 2001, and you've never left. You sound like me. I've been there since 98. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, exactly. we love it. We love it. You went to St. John's University of a BS in communication arts and business. You're obviously you're in love with travel, and I know cocktails a little bit too. Um, and you, you, had, uh, you really have spent your entire career in PR. You worked for a boutique firm in the city there um, called Weil uh, before you launched Exhibition. So thank you again for being with me today. I'm going to dive into some of the more, as you said, uncomfortable questions as you and I together embrace the uncomfort, the discomfort, and right. and lead, I think, by example here in letting people know it's okay to feel uncomfortable. And I think the discomfort actually means that we are expanding our our knowledge base and, and leaning into understanding what's going on in the world. So you're Mexican. You're also part of the LGBTQ right. plus community. What do you think about what's going on in the country right now? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, a, a long time coming. Um, and there's a lot of overlap um, or some overlap uh, between what's happening now with Black, uh, Black Lives Matter and, you know, the, the gay uh, rights movement. Um, and that's, you know, another sort of place where I'm just, I'm, I'm learning and I'm reading and I'm, I'm really trying to, uh, sort of listen and, you know, define how my voice needs to be used. Um, you know, growing up in a, in a, in a Mexican household where, um, you know, Catholicism was one of the, the main things that, you know, kept the family together, uh, being gay was not necessarily the easiest thing for my parents to, to come to terms with. Um, it was a challenge, and that's part of the reason why New York for me was always this, this sort of uh, beacon that's where I needed to end up um, you know For that's many. where I need to go exactly sure. um, and you know adding that the, the the additional layer that uh, I'm not first generation Mexican I'm, I'm you know I came here legally I I'm now legal of course uh, I don't even know why I said of course but I'm now legal um, and a lot of people assume that just because I, I speak English with that somewhat of no accent um, that I don't have necessary, you know, the necessary experience to even talk about being an immigrant or being this or being that. So at this point, I, I'm sort of 
and, and you know, and that is the discomfort coming through right now. I'm just trying to learn, trying to to read, trying to educate myself because I still don't know a lot of about the you know the the LGBT uh, movement. I don't know a lot about um, you know the Black Lives Matter. I, I know enough to be able to uh, to say that you know it needs to happen. It needs to happen now. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that it's happening now and that so many people are finally attuned to what exactly it means. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just like you, I'm just trying to educate myself and, um, and figure out what is my place within it. Yeah, 100%. Um, can you speak a little bit about your experience as a Mexican gay man in New York City, or maybe more importantly, outside of New York City? Because I think um, illuminating the reality of, of racial profiling, right. um, minority profiling is part of the education for people. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the, the first things that I remember, you know, growing up in the Central Valley in California, my, you know, my parents are, are uh, they started working in the fields in, in, in California, um, lived in, in a very sort of suburban type of setting outside of Sacramento. Um, and I remember, you know, doing this, this very uh, sort of traditional fundraiser back at the time where you would sell, you know, uh, was it wrapping paper or something similar uh, to raise funds for whatever school field trip or oh, whatever. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so you would go, you know, door to door to neighbors and try to sell this stuff. And at one point, you know, someone opens the door, a white family, and they sort of look at you up and down and they say, no, thank you. And then as they're closing the door, they say typical Mexicans. And it, it sort of... <laughs> uh, stuck with me, uh, and it's 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 still uh, sort of a, a point of, of contention within myself, mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of <clears throat> finding value within um, who you are ethnically and yeah. and and, and uh, who you are uh, now as you yeah. evolve through a lot of this uh, pain. Uh, yeah, and I mean, as you can hear it in my voice, it still affects me. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason why I work my ass off is to sort of prove that um, sort of uh, language wrong. Um, sure. And I feel like, the, uh, proving the, against the shame, the shame and sort of exactly. self-doubt that, that came up in you when things like that would happen to you. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, the, the hardest working people out there that I knew at the time were my parents and they were, you know, out in the fields uh, from uh, dusk till dawn and, and whatnot, um, you know, picking tomatoes, picking strawberries, picking peaches, picking pears. Uh, and, and for me to hear that, knowing that my parents were working their ass off uh, was sort of soul crushing and it, it doesn't really ever leave you. And that's why, uh, you know, your, your guest earlier today, um, Serena, uh, the, the themes that she was covering and, and sort of her coaching, I think, uh, would be something beneficial for me uh, to finally, you know, look internally and figure out what needs to just be uh, fixed, what needs to be left behind, what needs to uh, be used in order to, um, you know, bring a little bit more positivity um, to your mission. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that is, that's just one experience. Um, and there's just so many others. I mean, as, uh, as in, a person who you know wasn't born here, um, who is not necessarily white, even though to a lot of people um, I'm like a, a lighter skinned Mexican, and that's another issue that's you know within our own community. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there's just are so, you, so are many. you discriminated against within the Mexican community for being lighter skinned? In some ways, um, you know, there's uh, this other thing that keeps happening where, you know, I introduce myself and people ask me, oh, where are you from? And then I say, oh, I'm, I was born and raised in Mexico. And they say, well, you don't look Mexican. And mm -hmm. it sort of makes you wonder, it's like, okay, like, what do you What mean? do I look like? Right. Uh, or there's <laughs> right. this expectation that just because, you know, I don't look like the Mexicans, they know that might be uh, in the service industry or might be, you know, a little bit darker. Um, yeah there's that sort of racial component that comes in without people even second guessing it or even realizing that they're doing it. But it, it, it is sort of just building on that uh, race inequality that um, is so just prevalent and accepted and people don't even think about it anymore. 100%. Where you get someone like me and I say, oh, me encanta Mexico. Los personas de Mexico. I've spent so much time in Mexico. I've probably spent three, four months in Mexico. I, I find the people in Mexico to be incredibly happy and loving and kind and gentle. And I feel like Mexico has such a deep soul. I, I want to continue to spend more time you know, there in, in my life. Um, as a business owner, Nestor, um, what do you think that we can or should be doing as leaders to be part of, of solution right now? I know that I mean, you're already speaking a lot of, about your experience personally right. um, in, in educating yourself and, and learning and in, leaning into learning more. Uh, is there anything that you can expand on as it relates to being a leader or business owner? Um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's something that we're tackling as an industry in terms of, of you know, PR communications and travel specifically, um, there is just such a lack of diversity uh, within a lot of our uh, industries that you can't ignore it. Like you can't ignore it anymore. I mean, it's there, it's very visible. And that's something that I'm seeing coming out. And, um, you know, this, this is going to be long lasting. Um, and we just need to right now just figure out what is the best platform we can provide to make sure that there is visibility that there is uh, a platform for for people um and black voices to actually be a part of every conversation uh you know i've been following a couple of the the, the big travel influencers uh black influencers and in, in, on instagram and a lot of them you know are finally just calling people out and saying listen you know these publications show me where the diversity is, show me where the black editors are, you know, show me where the people assigning all of these articles, um, where are they? Like, yeah. wh where are people like me? Where are voices like me? Um, yeah. And I think there's finally going to be some sort of accountability. And, and uh, you know, I feel like my job as a, a PR firm owner is to provide a platform for, uh, for more voices, more black voices, more, more voices that are not part of the conversation now. Um, and it's, it's going to take a little while, but now that it's out there, I mean, it's going to be hard to ignore and just holding people accountable. And I know that people will hold me accountable. Yeah. Um, and and I, I feel like that's the first step. Um, yes. And then just putting your, your money where your mouth is. I mean, yeah. we're all talking diversity uh, within the travel industry. You know, everyone says like, oh, travel, you know, opens your eyes and you experience different cultures and it makes you such a better person. And then we come home. And then we don't necessarily put that into practice in our own companies, yeah. uh, which is really a shame. And, and, and it's sort of hypocritical that that's happening. But uh, and that's that's where I am personally as well. Just trying to figure out how within my small firm, I mean, there's 10 of us sort of spread around the world. How can yeah. I 
you know, be a platform for um, these voices um, and make it a sustainable long-term uh, project. Yeah. Um, well, but, and yeah. I, think, I think that this is the point also is that, you know, you're a small firm, 10 people, but w this is now about the sum of the parts. And so all of the parts are needing to be evaluated. And, and I love that you're talking about accountability um, and, and ensuring that the people around you are holding you accountable. Um, I, I can't help but to, because it's my nature to offer um, a, a token or, or suggestion to be, oh, please, gent, please to be no, 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 to be jet for our listeners oh. also to be gent. Well, you too, me too. No. Um, you know, <laughs> I make the joke. We talk out loud mostly for ourselves, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> for other people, but for ourselves, but, but to be gentle with ourselves in that, um, I, you know, if, if you're suddenly having an awareness, I'm suddenly having an awareness that, wow, it is, uh, oh, oh yeah, it's the reminder, the wake up, we're living in a country that is, is, run by white power and and certainly by a white supremacist you know in the, in the head seat of the office right now um it, it 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 is our individual responsibility and we will be the cause now in change going forward and so it's the individual partnership and accountability and responsibility that we take going forward that will make the difference um i think awareness is a big part of it and so that's why i, right. I say um you know educating ourselves is is critical you know i have this little anecdote here as you know primary is gearing up to reopen in our in our space and we're putting up signage about washing your hands and wearing a mask and things like this and a sign in the bathroom about washing uh your hands and i talked about this with benjamin's eye yesterday afternoon i don't know if you watched the interview but you know the world health yeah. organization put out a sign that had images of hand washing and it was white people's hands and i said right. wait why are why are the hands white you know and and I don't know, honestly, Nestor, if I would have said that four months ago or two months ago, you know, prior to the killing of George Floyd and the outrage that has has broken, you know, out in the in the country. And and so thank God it's happening. Thank God that the voices are loud. Thank God the protests are happening um, and, and that voices are beginning to be heard more loudly and clearly, clearly than ever, I think. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but. Uh, well, no, I mean, fi finally, finally, people are asking these questions, um, especially within uh, the sort of expected white uh, bubbles where, you know, seeing something that reflects your, you know, your own skin color is sort of a given. Um, and, and finally, I feel like that we've reached that point where there's no going back, uh, yeah. where you, you are able to ask those questions and even though for some people it might be uncomfortable to say like, why are those hands this color? Or why are these depictions of, of normal, um, normal? Um, I, I mean, it, 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 we've finally gotten there and it's, it's yeah. And it's, it's gonna, well, we're gonna do what it takes in order for that to, to stick and to move forward. Um, yeah. Whether it's, you know, donating money, donating your voice, donating, uh, whatever type of resource that you can allocate to this movement, yep. that is what, what's going to happen. Yep, 100%. Um, so uh, a couple quick questions here about uh, PR. You know, Exhibition, obviously, is a PR company focused on hospitality, travel industries, art, lifestyle. How has your industry been impacted by COVID-19? Um, so... Uh, I mean, with most of our clients are international, so uh, they're located in, in Israel, throughout Europe, Asia. Um, so as soon as the first um, things started bubbling up in Asia, we kind of knew something was about to hit us. 
um, you know, one of our clients in Japan, as soon as things started happening in Japan, uh, we started to, to sort of plan, um, you know, looking into uh, diversifying our client roster a little bit, you know, within the space of a couple of months. Uh, but as soon as the first lockdown went into place, uh, we felt it. I mean, is, we have an Israel office uh, in Tel Aviv. Uh, as soon as those borders closed, 99% of our, our client roster in Israel was completely evaporated, you know, without hotels, uh, hotels without um, guests checking in, uh, yeah. there's nothing for them to do. And since yeah. most of our clients are hotels, uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty instant. Um, yeah. Here in the US, you know, we're lucky that we're, we're keeping a couple of active uh, accounts uh, still sort of going, uh, and then others on a very sort of minimized retainer. Uh, but yeah, the business was completely uh, sort of shuttered at like 95% within the span of a week. Uh, yeah. Once it hit, it really, really hit hard. Um, but, you know, we, we, we feel like we're, we're lucky just because people will eventually travel and we just need to make sure we sort of get through this. And we were able to get a PPP loan and I was able to bring back my team at, you know, a, a more... Um, uh, like uh, on their regular salaries and, and, you know, have them work and, and keep busy, which, you know, is also part of getting through this is just mentally engaging in, in something that is not just, you know, bad news all the time. Sure. Um, so we've been, we've been pretty lucky, but yeah, I mean, we look at other travel adjacent industries like the restaurant industry uh, that's completely been, you know, demolished. And that's where you really start thinking about, you know, all of these safety nets that, are helping us that might not be helping them. And, and that's, you know, another part of the puzzle for me is to figure out how we support other people who are clearly part of our sphere uh, of the work that we do, but, you know, don't necessarily have the resources or, or, or the, uh, the safety net in place. Um, so yeah, business has been crazy. Um, and now that, uh, you know, Europe is reopening some of our clients uh, are, are trying to relaunch, reopen, um, in Germany and in Italy, um, and they depend a lot on the North American market. Um, you know, we, we, we were starting to, to do some rollouts of campaigns in the last couple of weeks. Um, and now, obviously, other things are taking priorities. Yeah. We, we've been told our clients, like, we're not going to be proactively pitching. We're holding back press releases because right now the conversation needs to be about something that takes priority, something completely... Um, Yes, about the, that, the Black Lives Matter movement. That, that exactly, is, yeah. exactly. Anti-racism, anti, anti you know, education. Exactly, and even though they may not necessarily have uh, such a personal attachment to it, uh, being located in a different country, the mm -hmm. fact that the clientele they're, they're drawing from uh, in North America is affected by this, we just need to sort of educate them on that. And everyone's been oh, yeah. so receptive. And I mean, this takes priority, you know, Black Lives Matter, yeah, I it think I think I think everyone is uh, is def is self conscious about being tone deaf right now, um, no no doubt. So, yeah, yeah, I would imagine there's a little bit of educating here and there with your clients. Um, you know, many corporations right now, Nestor are issuing statements, uh, larger corporations about work from home uh, right. staying in place until the end of the year. I do believe that there's the chance that this will negatively impact the mental health 
of their employees and coworkers. It is difficult to be in the walls of your own home to feel legitimate and professional and inspired and motivated and connected uh, because you're literally not in the physical presence of other people. Um, how has the work in sort of team culture been for exhibition since the uh, pandemic hit? And I know now obviously bringing your team back on has probably shifted things a bit <laughs> to put money yeah. in their pockets, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a challenge. Um, with some of our team members uh, more than others, um, you know, having an office in Tel Aviv and then another one in London that we were just throwing out, uh, we were used to communicating remotely uh, with our office here in New York. Um, we're all very social creatures, and that's part of the reason why PR is, is uh, you know, Fun. the work that we do. Exactly. <laughs> and enjoyable, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's been, it's been a challenge. Um, obviously, safety comes first, and we understand that. Um, but yeah, we, we, we can't wait to go back into the office in some sort of way. Um, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I live to, you know, where I can walk to the office, but um, I know that some of my team members uh, don't and would need to get on public transportation. And then that's a conversation that we're sort of trying to have now is like, what, what does it mean for you to commute to work? Yeah. Um, what does safety look like? How will you feel safe? Right. What, what responsibility? What uh, yeah, what responsibility do I have as an employer asking people to, you know, potentially, you know, put, put their health at risk? Um, and we don't know yet. I mean, we're trying to figure out how um, that's going to look for other companies um, before we make a commitment. But I know that, you know, I, would, I will be in the office um, at some point, yeah. um, hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and then whether we take turns coming to the office um, you know, in small groups and, and working from home part of the week, working from the office part of the week. Uh, I feel like that's going to be uh, what some people do. And I'm just trying to figure out what that balance is. But yeah. Yeah. And, and I think in particular in New York City, until frankly, the, the shelter is officially lifted. Um, exactly. It's, you know, yeah. we're, we're just not going to know until until the, the city you know, and state says, OK, it's safe. You know, you're part of phase two is now underway and, and people right. can go back to the office space. Um, this has been a obviously crazy time. Uh, is there something that you're doing every day to stay sane? Yeah, so, I mean, I've tried to, after the first couple of days when, you know, you're, you were home and you were like, oh, I can just sit on the couch and like maybe have a beer at two o'clock in the afternoon. Right. Uh, in the last couple of, of months, uh, I've tried to just, you know, put together a structure in place of like a workout every day at, you know, 5 p.m. Uh, or some other time if there's a meeting. Um, and trying to keep that sort of like a nine to five type of job yeah. um, and then not uh, answering emails on weekends. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to sort of frame my, my week the way I would as if I was going into an office, just because as soon as everything blends together, personal work, email, uh, social media, it, it starts to be a little bit overwhelming and, and, yeah. and just yeah. depressing. Um, so yeah, so that's worked for me, just creating the structure. And luckily my husband, um, you know, it likes having structure and likes having spreadsheets and likes putting things on calendars. So that, yeah, that's been, that's been helpful, but um, yeah. yeah. Oh, hi, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's out in the background somewhere. Yeah, I love it. Um, if you could go back to this time a year ago, is there any advice that you give yourself or something that you would do different as a business owner? Yeah. Um, uh, I think I would listen a little bit more, um, you know, being in this industry, uh, you're always looking ahead and you're always figuring out what's next. What's mm -hmm. the next project? What's the next story? 
that we're rolling out? What's the next opening? What's the next uh, thing on the editorial calendar for what you need to pitch and what you need to sort of be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, that you sometimes forget to just pause and actually listen to um, what's happening, um, listen to what people are saying. Um, and, and that, you know, is what I'm doing now, yeah. um, finally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would tell myself. <laughs> Good. Um, is there, is there someone in particular, somewhere you're turning for inspiration right now? A lot of these, a lot of these uh, social media talks that, um, you know, yeah. people are doing. Uh, yeah. I, I do a few, I, I listen to a few of these, uh, daily, mm-hmm. uh, just because there are so many, uh, amazing voices out there that, um, you know, I finally have the time to, to listen to. Um, even though I always have the time, I think priority has shifted. Um, and, and it's so accessible. Exactly. So, yeah. So I've been, I've been listening to a lot of these, um, you know, just for a little bit of optimism here and there, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah it's easy too. So <laughs> I love it. And before we jump into the lightning round, my last question yeah. for you here, Nestor, is what do you hope that, you know, and this question originally was created um, prior to the death of George Floyd and, and the outrage that, that has, you know, run rampant here in the country. Yeah. But the question is, what do you hope that the world's biggest takeaway from all of this is going to be? It's a big question, I know. Wow. Well, you know, like bringing back some humanity, I, 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 I hope that that sort of comes through. Like, I feel like people's humanity was for so long taken for granted. Yeah. Um, and we just need to bring it back. And like, I'm reminded of it every time that, you know, Barack or Michelle um, put something out into the world. Um, yes. <laughs> I know. Yes. So, um, and, yes. yeah. and if you had asked, if you had asked that question, you know, uh, a few months back, maybe it would have been a different answer, but just humanity. That's a, a bit of humanity. I, I just hope that's, yeah. Yes. If I need any inspiration, when people ask me the question, who are, who are my biggest inspirations? I say, you know, Michelle and Oprah, I mean, the just, yeah. The two of them are, you know, two of my greatest idols and inspirations. I, I put Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, in there also because I think she's also yeah. just an incredible beacon of light and positivity. And I just, you know, between Barack and Michelle and, you know, Barack did the town hall yesterday. Yeah, um, I, saw that. I, yeah. I, I tuned in, you know, to be honest, I tuned in afterwards and I skipped. I listened to some, but I mostly yeah. listened to all of where he spoke because it, it gives such an, in a time right now where you're you're reflecting on how, there's a lot of overwhelm right now. There's a lot of negative feelings. And, and when I say negative in quotes, it's because it feels heavy and intense. But as you said, it's finally happening. This is something that we've all needed to feel for, 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 for a long time so that we can move forward and move upward and through this. And I think that anytime Barack and Michelle, like you said, open their mouth, I mean, God, talk about um, some lev- levity, you know, that, that sort of happens because they build inst- and instill such confidence in us that there are good people in this world. There is great leadership in this world. There is some great leadership in the yeah. black community, uh, in this country. And those are the voices that we should be tuning into right now to educate ourselves and to learn. Exactly. And to I mean, exactly. I mean, otherwise, you know, 
uh, it's just noise for some of us to just be repeating some of these messages that, you know, that are coming from these amazing people who are there now in the front lines. Um, and as many of us want to post on Instagram and, and you know, and repeat a lot of these things, um, we don't want to take away from, from, you know, the amazing messages by just creating all, all of this other sort of static and noise. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, that's, yeah. That's, I agree. I like that said, <laughs> we should also try to have a little bit of fun here and there. Humor and levity <laughs> and fun is important. So that said, we're going to do a quick lightning round if you're up for it. You ready for the lightning Let's round? Let's do it. Sure. Okay. Number one, rename the coronavirus for me, Nestor. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So like <laughs> the, the, the corona thing, like when it first started, everyone's like, oh, corona beer. So I think I would just name it like the Coors Light beer just because it's like, it's and it's my personal opinion. It's just shitty beer. It is you know, shitty like, beer. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Sorry, Coors Light. Yeah, I know. Um, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Um, it's like, don't dwell on the little things. Um, as simple as it is. Um, you know, I, every now and then I tend to just sort of get my head stuck on just the smallest little problem that really is not consequential. And it's, it, yeah, and it's sometimes it self-destructive. Exactly. So just... Mm -hmm. Do not dwell on the little things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ariana, Ariana Huffington's sister, Agapi Stasinopoulos, is an unbelievable inspirational speaker. Um, I, I've repeated this several times. And in my interview with her, I, I reflected on how she has something mentioned in her awesome book called Waking Up to the Joy of You, which is 52 meditations that are all thematic. Uh, she shares a story about how something challenged her in her day. She was about to go into a big inspirational speaking talk and this now was weighing on her and she just turned and looked in the mirror and she said, Agape, drop it, <laughs> just drop it, you know? And, yeah. and, and so I think maybe with some of the little things, right? You can you take that as a gift, Nestor. You can look at yourself in the mirror and just say, let it go, let it go. Thank you for that. Well, yeah, we'll let it go. Letting go right now. <laughs> let it go. Um, are you an early bird or night owl? Night owl, oh, definitely. Um, that's why this sequestering thing, shelter in place, has been the best because I can literally just, you know, get out of bed a little bit later than usual and just walk into the living room. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, night owl, for sure. Night owl. Uh, what's your favorite word? Um, my favorite word. So one that I keep using is um, chimichanga just because it, it like makes me laugh. I have no <laughs> idea why. Yeah. You know, growing yeah. up in Mexico, I never used it. I didn't even hadn't even learned chimichanga until I came to yeah. the US. And yeah. for me, it's just like a funny word. It just sounds funny. It's like the name like, of my Wi-Fi Kawa, Kawabanga. network. Kawabanga. Right. Chimichanga. Like right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, what's your favorite? Your personal favorite travel destination? Wow. Okay. Um, I'm sure you have like three or 10, but just choose one. First one yeah, that came into your no. mind was? Japan. I've been obsessed with Japan um, for the past year, year and a half, two years. What do you years. love about it? It's just so different. I mean, it, it's just so different. Like every expectation I had the first time I went, I was like, oh, it's going to be amazing. No, it's just everything is so orderly. Everything is in its place. The people are so nice. Uh, it's so clean. And it, it, for me, it feels so foreign because I have zero concept of, of the language that I, I love that. I mean, with a romance language like Italian or French, you know, I can make stuff out, make stuff out a little bit. But Japanese is just amazing. Um, so Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, are you a window or an aisle guy? So I used to be window. 
But now that I'm a little bit older and I have to go pee a lot, I'm an aisle guy. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the TMI, Nestor. I love it. <laughs> Listen, okay. it's, it's life. <laughs> um, first, again, I'm sure there are 10 answers to this question also. What's your bucket list travel spot? Uh, bucket list travel spot. Where do you want um, to go? Yeah, no. I, so I've been dying to do um, like Nepal, Bhutan, that sort of part of the world that is just so remote and so... Um, I don't know. It's so, so new and, and foreign to me. Um, I know very Love little it. about it, but I, I, yeah, I can't wait to go. Love it. Um, cocktail or beverage doesn't have to be alcoholic. So beverage is fine. That best describes the coronavirus. Oh God. Um, I would say something, something like sort of gross, like a rusty nail, something that like you drink it and you're like, Oh, what is this? You know, like, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we've had a few Long Island iced teas. Um, oh, okay. that would be second. Yeah, totally. So uh, hot, one of the hottest topics in the time of Corona, as you know, is toilet paper. Nasser, do you pull over or under? Honestly, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think I'm a sort of like <laughs> wing it kind few. of guy. We've had a few. I think a few. I'm a sort of wing it kind of guy. I think. Whatever Eric, it is. However yeah. it is there, that's yeah. how it is. All right. I love it. You just let it go. You don't care. They, see, there's your theme. Let it go. <laughs> I don't care. Over, under, let it go. Okay, True. last question. 2020 or 2021? 2020. Um, I think 2020 for sure. Uh, I feel like everyone's going to remember this year, remember this moment. And um, yeah, and it's for a reason. I mean, the potential for this year to just be remembered for generations to come is, is there. So yeah. 2020. Yeah. Thank you, Nestor, for having the courage today to, uh, to talk to me about um, being a minority uh, in the business world here in, in the country, to talk a bit about the, the systematic injustices that are uh, racial profiling and racial injustices that are happening in our country right now. Thank you for be op being open to acknowledging that as a leader, you are leaning into educating yourself. You don't know and you don't have all the answers, but that you're eager, open and willing to to learn and to be part of the solution. And I think that's what, what we, we all should and can be doing right now. Yes. Well, thank thank someone, you for- Someone just acknowledged you. That's my brother, so proud. It's <laughs> <laughs> my sister, one, that's still, one of the one other of the, six. One of the, one of the five, exactly. Yeah, that's six. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and thank you for you know, providing this platform as uncomfortable as it is for people to attempt to put the words together. Um, it needs to be done whether you're, you know, black or white or, or whatnot, like it just, the conversations need and have to happen. Um, and that's, you know, my biggest takeaway from, from doing something like this. Amen, brother. And that's what we're <laughs> doing. So have a beautiful day. I'm sending you lots of love to New York City. I'll be back. Thank you, this Lisa. Weekend, and uh, I Great. look forward to, to seeing you again in person in the space. Soon. Oh, absolutely. Thanks Cannot everyone wait. for listening. Thank you, Lisa. Love and light. Bye. Bye.